Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Garden Church Podcast. Hey, so last week we celebrated 12 years as a church. Can you believe that? I don't think anyone mentioned it, but it was our 12-year anniversary. What started as an idea has become a 12-year church plant, and now we're, I don't know when the planting stops, we're done with planting. But in many ways, a lot of churches are just starting over after COVID, and I feel the same, that we're just starting over as a community. And we are in this series uh, that's called Vision Series. We're talking about who we are as a church, and we talked about being a church focused on the presence of God, being a church focused on living the way of Jesus, or building people who are formed by Christ, formation. We've talked about how we are called as a church to bring life wherever we go. We live on mission with God. And last week, Brian, Pastor Brian, did an extraordinary sermon on building community and that we are called to be a countercultural community in the city and that we are the family of God. Um, and so I have one more week before we start a new sermon series called One Another, where we're going to look at various topics throughout the scriptures where there are commands in the New Testament to one another each other. Um, there's 59 commands to one another's, and we'll talk about that next week. But uh, I thought, hey, if there's, a, if there's a subject I could talk about in between that's in this view of this whole year we've been teaching on uh, radical discipleship and formation. It started with the rule of life, and then it went into emotionally healthy spirituality, and then we went into the Sermon on the Mount, verse by verse. And then we've been doing a series on vision, and then we'll jump into love one another into Advent, and then 2021's over. How crazy is that? And it's already 2022. Lord Jesus, come quick. I thought, I want to talk today about something that is so important, in fact, summarizes, in my opinion, um, in, in a very simple way, how to be a disciple of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, let's look at some texts and then we'll, we'll share some stories and we'll learn what we're talking about in just a moment. So we're gonna go to John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this. He says, 
in verse 27 of chapter 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus starts his uh, sermon or this, this discussion and he says, my sheep listen to my voice. He knows them and they follow him. And he gives them life that lasts for eternity. The followers of Jesus hear Jesus' voice and Jesus knows them. Go to Matthew chapter 7. I want to hear those pages flapping in the wind. Matthew chapter 7. You can be loud. It's okay. Or scroll. Matthew 7 verse uh, 24. It's the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which you've heard already. It's uh, kind of the ending of this sermon. Jesus begins with something similar and ends with this kind of idea. And it's right here, verse 24. Jesus says to everyone listening, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If there's one thing you should know as a follower of Jesus, it's how to hear God's voice. I want to show you today the ways God speaks as, as just like a, an overview of how God speaks today. And I want to then teach you how to grow in hearing God's voice. You see, this is a revolutionary idea. The creator of the universe, the author of life, the God who has revealed himself in human history through Jesus, through creation, wants to speak to you wants to talk to you and talk with you and interact. That is revolutionary. What other religion has that powerful statement that the unapproachable God wants to approach you in intimate ways? The question isn't, does God speak today? The question is, are we listening? Because the truth is, God is always speaking He's always speaking. And the question is, are we listening? So here's some basic biblical structure around hearing God's voice and listening. Are you with me? I'm going to start in the Old Testament and give you a framework for what I mean by hearing. Because it's really important that we frame it from a biblical worldview. Because much of our problem today is we step outside of a biblical worldview as Christians. Much of our issues that we are confronted with today have to do with the fact that we no longer see the Bible as authoritative in our lives. So let's just look at what the Bible says about hearing and hearing God in particular. So if you have a Bible, go to Deuteronomy 6. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. It's part of the Torah. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. This is probably the most famous passage in the Old Testament for the Jewish man or woman. It's the Shema prayer. Can you say Shema says this in verse 4, Shema in Hebrew, or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This passage would have been recited all the time during Jesus' day. This was like a sort of pledge of allegiance, if you will, to the Jewish faith and worldview and way of living and interacting into the world. When you woke up, you would say the Shema prayer. When you go to bed, you say the Shema prayer. When you go outside, when you go through the house, you say the Shema prayer. When you'd have a meal, you would say the Shema prayer. This was the, the, the passage of scripture that summarized all, all of the commands of the Old Testament. Shema. Shema. The Hebrew word Shema means to hear. Hear, O Israel, listen. The Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Shema, hear. So you would, you would hear this word over and over again. Hear, hear, hear. This is the truth about who God is. Now go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 24. So if you're in Deuteronomy, go left. It goes Genesis, Exodus. Exodus 24. I want you to highlight these passages because you need to see them because it's going to help frame some important points I'm, I want to make as, as, a, as I teach you about hearing God's voice. How are we doing, church? Are we awake? Are we live? You guys managed to find parking? Some of you walked. How far did you walk? Pretty far, right? 
some of us. My wife was going to turn around. She called me. She's like, I'm out. I'm not going. I can't do it. Just kidding. She found parking. Kind of not kidding. She's like, is it you preaching today? Ah. Not Bill? Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Exodus 24, verse 7. That's her laughing. Then he took the book of the covenant, this is Moses, and read it to the people. So he reads the book of the covenant. And they responded and listened to what the people, after they hear the commands, listen to what Israel says. We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Okay, check this out. The English word for obey is translated from the Hebrew word shema. Shema means in Hebrew both hear and obey. So if you were to approach the Old Testament through language and and the words themselves in the Hebrew, what we find is is an excellent illustration or an example of the difference between the Greek-thinking folks and the Hebrew-thinking folks. And mainly the, the stress that we put on this idea of listening or hearing. To the Greek and Western thinker, to hear is a mental activity. Let our ears pick up the sound that we're hearing. But to the Hebrew, to hear means to allow the words to sink in, provide understanding, to generate a response. In other words, hearing is the same as doing because it's the same thing. What do you mean? Almost every place in the Old Testament where you see the word obey is the word shema. It encompasses the entire spectrum of ideas that include listening, taking heed, and responding with action once you've heard something. There's not this idea that you hear God's voice and then you just sit on it. You hear God's voice, and if you hear Shema, it requires a response. Then you really hear God's voice. So, in other words, um, Hebrews understood what we don't hear. That to, we are to put what we have heard into our hearts. And once we've put what we've heard into our hearts and mind, then it will transform our lives. That's the expectation of hearing or, and obeying in the Old Testament. What does this mean? All I want to say is this from the Old Testament. The essential goal of following Jesus is to hear and obey. In fact, that's how, how Matthew um, describes discipleship. It's people who've heard the words of Jesus, and obey. They hear God's voice and obey. They hear the word and put it into practice. This is the essence of how we become a movement. You can hear God's voice, and you can hear God's voice, and you can hear God's voice, and you can hear God's voice. All of us can hear God's voice and live in a way where we're responding to the creator of the universe as he guides us through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we set our ears and lives in tune with him so that we live in obedience, bringing about his way of life wherever we go. And when we've trained our ears to hear, and we live in response, in obedience to his word, then it becomes a movement. This is how we become a movement. I I believe that hearing and obeying is essential to following the way of Jesus. Hearing and obeying is essential to living a life in step with the spirit, walking in the spirit. It requires a, a level of understanding that God is always speaking to us corporately and uniquely as individuals. And so the question is, how does God speak? And then how do we learn and grow to hear his voice? But before that, I want to share some stories. Can we do that? So 12 years ago, it's technically 13 years ago, um, this church started because uh, I heard God say, plant a church in Long Beach. And I've shared this story, but the idea that, that someone can hear God's voice and then change the course of their life because of that is how we are here as a church today, because thousands of years ago, individuals heard God say something and they decided to obey. We are here as Gentile Christians 
Because Cornelius had a, a, a dream, God spoke to him, and Peter had a dream. And Peter, a good Jewish boy, goes to Cornelius' house after he has this vision on top of this, this, um, this roof when he's playing, or praying, excuse me, not playing. And as a result of that, uh, we are here and included into this religion called Christianity. Because someone heard God through a vision and some Gentile was praying and heard God speak through an angel. I mean, this is how this whole movement really takes off is because people actually believe God is still speaking today. Just recently, someone in our church was telling me the story about how they wanted to buy a new van. And they already had nice cars, but they were really going, going back and forth. They've been generous, and is this, is this cost effective? Does it make sense? Weeks went on. They wanted to go traveling and as a family and go camping, and they had, to, they had to run it through their value systems, and they realized that they could sell one of their cars for a significant amount of money because the value was so much money. Um, and then they realized, okay, now we're making the logical, wise, stewardess stewarding decision to sell this car in order to buy this van. So they buy the van because it was used and they buy it and they come back and they were sitting in a service um, here and during worship, they hear God say, give the car away. Don't sell it. Give it away. What? That's a lot of money. It doesn't make sense. It's unconventional. That's not stewarding the money. But they take, they, they took the value of obedience over what made sense and they gave the car away to someone who needed it. Hearing God and doing extravagant. Does that make sense in the world? Of course not. In fact, we were having a conversation with someone who's not a believer, and he could not believe why this guy would do such a thing. And as we're trying to explain while well, we heard God, it doesn't compute because the world is scarce. Even this man has millions of dollars. And he, he still lives with this anxiety of not having enough. And my, my friend got to say, well, I just, I believe we live in a world of abundance. And when you align your heart and your way of life to God's way, there's always more than enough. We hear God. I love the story of Amy, our youth pastor. Because you know that she was the manager of a Nordstrom, um, actually multiple Nordstroms. She was uh, oversaw, uh, I forget which department, but whatever department, she got tons of, of clothes given to her regularly. She had like, she was given like free denim all the time. I was just telling her, I'm going to tell the story. She's like, oh, I wish I could have more denim. I'm like, isn't that funny? Secure job, full time, tons of benefits, all this stuff. And she leaves that successful, um, safe career to be a part-time youth pastor at the Garden Church. Why? Because she heard God say, do it. Over and over again, we see it in our church. How many of you, I want to just ask this question, how many of you have done something courageous out of faith because you heard God's voice? We just raise your hand. Raise, I want you to see how normal. Look at this. Look around. And this is why I'm teaching on this. Because this is the way forward. God will reveal his plans to you if you totally surrender to his spirit. He's looking for people to reveal business strategies and successes. He's looking for people to travel the world on his behalf, working in different industries, bringing about the kingdom, and you just so happen to work for some non-Christian company. He's looking for people to pour out his wisdom and plans if you listen and obey. I was in Boston last week, um, and it was so great to be in Boston. Um, but I was there because of a unique thing that happened. Three years ago, I was worshiping at a church in Northern Ireland at this conference. I had a bunch of friends that were going to speak at this event. I was one of the speakers, and, and it was our first service. Um, it was John Mark who was about to teach. We love John Mark. Um, and he was, he was get, getting ready to go up, but we were worshiping, and there was this couple standing in front of me, and I was worshiping, and and I had this weird thought pop into my head with this, little, this couple that was in front of me. I had this weird image of this woman dressed as Paul Revere. Revere. And like I, don't, like, I don't know what he wore. Like, I'm like, I don't know what Paul, but it was like colonial outfits. But I had this image of her on a horse going up and down the east coast of the U.S. saying revival is coming. Revival is coming. So because I've learned now that those weird ideas might land occasionally, right? Occasionally. 
And I was one of the preach speakers, so I didn't want to like have a word that I was sitting on, because I'll speak to that in a second, about how we often won't hear God's voice now because he already spoke to us and we didn't obey. Well, that's near the end of the sermon. Don't let me forget it. So Tyler, remind me. I heard the wow. Um, So the couple turns around. I say, hey, I'm Darren, so-and-so. They're like, hi, hi. And I'm like, hey, I have this really strange image. I share this image. And they're like, oh, my goodness. This is like the third prophetic word. We want to move to Boston and plant a church. And so I was, uh, can I show you a picture? So here's the couple that I had the word for. You can't see it. That's Katya Adams and Julian Adams. And we're outside about a couple blocks from the house. And you can't see it. That's a statue of Paul Revere where they live. (laughs) They live in Boston. Their church is a year old. And I got the privilege of commissioning Katya this last Sunday as the lead pastor of their church. And I was in Boston because our, our, our lives have now come together. We're journeying through life together. We've become dear friends. I want them here as often as I can, as, as they can manage. And I was out there because they had the audacity to sell everything. A house paid off in South Africa with a pool, with plenty of space, where they would come here and do a couple of events and have enough income for the entire year in South Africa. They came here to plant a church in the third most expensive city in the United States, living off very little with two kids, planting a church during COVID. They are living by faith because they heard God's voice. And God spoke to them prophetically. God spoke to them through scripture. God spoke to them in their own hearts and minds. But we are a part of this movement that has the audacity to believe the creator of the universe wants to speak to you and guide your life. So how does God speak today? Let me give you a quick biblical framework. We're going to go quickly through this because I'd rather spend time on some of the practical stuff. But I, I feel like you, I owe it to you as a good Bible teacher to show you how God speaks. Number one, God speaks through Jesus. That in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the ultimate Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed, heir of all things, and through whom all also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Yes and amen. We could just stop there. It is enough that God has spoken through Jesus. Amen? If that's all we ever had, it is enough. But he also speaks through scripture. Point number two. God speaks through scripture. Timothy chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 Paul writes to this young apostle in training, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. People always come to me and go, how do I hear God's voice? I will always say this to you. Start by reading the scriptures. That is God's word to us. And if you are not immersing yourself in the narrative of the text of the Old and New Testaments, then you are going to be confused when you read the newspaper. You're going to be confused when you scroll through your social media accounts or watch YouTube or whatever narrative is being sold to you on Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Peacock, Paramount+, Plus, HBO Max, whatever they are. Because there's a million different Apple, there's a million different narratives being sold to you and the followers of Jesus need to have the scriptures as the primary narrative as which, to which we backstop all other stories. This is our rule for authority in life. Not gossip girl. I've never seen that. I don't even know. It just popped into my head. Maybe someone needs to know that that doesn't speak truth to who you are. Not social media, not Instagram, TikTok. I just read last night, I was telling Alex, that there's a growing um, neurological issue where young teenage girls are, are having tics, um, like neurological tics because of TikTok. True story. Tourette's syndrome is forming in increasingly, increasing amounts because of social media. I'm telling you, one day in our lifetime, we're going to open up that app, those of us that still have it, and it's going to pop up saying, this is harmful to your health. 
Click yes to open. Yes. And then you're going to get to scroll through your thing because it's that damaging. I know I've been saying this for years. Eventually, we're going to have to opt out. I just believe it with all my heart. Speaks to us through scripture. Number three, speaks to us through creation. Romans chapter one. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have, become, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. All you have to do is go to Yellowstone and be, believe that there is a divine creator. Or go to the beach. Or any national park for that matter. Go into how, how many of us, when we just go camping and kind of get away from all the stuff and live under some trees, we're like, ah. Oh. Yes, you walk down and there's like a little creek and you hear the, 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 the brook and the sound of water. And we're like, oh, this is, this is a re, resetting my soul to the places that I long to be. Why is it that nature does that to us? Anyone know what I'm talking about? We bought a trailer for this purpose. To get in nature and extend, uh, ex- have extended time as a family in creation. Because nothing, nothing is better for our family than getting away in nature and resetting our relationships. God speaks to us through creation. It, you watch a sunset, you see the, the, the beauty of, 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 of nature, of the human body. We see that there's the invisible qualities of a creator. He's always speaking. Are you listening to Jesus, to the word, to creation all around us? Is he trying to get your attention the fourth way is prophecy. I know I'm going fast, but I want to help you practically and have some things that I think are important. The fourth way we see throughout Scripture is God speaks prophetically. Um, prophecy is when God speaks to you through somebody else. 1 Corinthians 14 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Verse 3 says, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Somebody comes to you or you come up here and they have a word that strengthens you, encourages you, and comforts you. That, by the way, is the, the filter of prophecy in the church. Uh, Pastor John is doing a prayer training tonight, right? Is John, John here? Anyone know? Yes, tonight. If you want to grow in learning how to hear God's voice in prayer, you should go through our prayer training. Um, we, we believe God has increased um, our call as a church into the gifts of the Spirit, specifically prophecy. We want to see prophecy happen all the time. There's Pastor John Hughes doing something else, maybe he had a prophetic word. But prophecy, <laughs> prophecy is when someone speaks to you through somebody else. Now let's show hand. How many of you have received a prophetic word in this church from someone? Look at this. Now keep your hands up. How many of you were encouraged or strengthened or comforted by, keep them up high. I want you to see Look at, that's amazing. I wish I could take a picture and be like, look at this. Because the point is when prophetic ministry happens, people will be like, God is really in this church. His presence is here. When someone discloses information that you would not know through a word of knowledge, and then you bring that as a, a source of comfort, encouragement, or strengthening that person, it's powerful, is it not? And I always say prophecy, by the way, is like manna. Okay, so we don't want to build off manna, our, our, our present or the future. We just want to collect it for the day so that we can keep going on our journey. And if you're the kind of disciple that requires lots of prophecy to get going, you're immature. Prophecy is helpful. It's not the engine of movement. It's one of the, one of the things that God does throughout the journey. Um, and, and I see this all the time, in the, especially in the charismatic circles, which we are a part of a charismatic church because we believe the Holy Spirit is alive and while well, we want to minister through the gifts of the Spirit. Problem is, we think that where the action is is only on Sunday or in gathered spaces, but the gifts are not just for the church here. It's for the world that we can use words of knowledge and prophecy to strengthen, encourage, and build up people wherever we go. That's where it gets serious. Uh, you know, I was learning from a, a really well-known prophetic man and, and healer and missionary around the world. And he called me one time, this is years ago when I was learning about this stuff, and telling me, he's like, hey, I'm gonna land in LAX at this time. I've got a couple hours. You wanna pick me up and get dinner around LAX? And, and then I'm gonna dro- and drop me off? I'm like, absolutely. If you wanna grow in the stuff, by the way, go to the people who are filled and learn from them. Buy them pizza or coffee, and learn from. That's how I've learned 
all this stuff is I just found mentors and I just hung out. So I picked this guy, I drove to LAX with my buddy Zach and we sat and we had pizza at like Z Pizza and, and he was telling the craziest stories. And, and finally I'm like, gosh, you gotta tell me, how do I do this? He's like, Darren, what I see in you is that you're willing to share once you have a word, but do you trust God to open your mouth and let him fill it in the moment? No, I don't. And then he goes, okay, hey, waitress, can you come here real quick? My friend has a word for you. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Zach, you go first. <laughs> and I'm like stumbling around. He's like, he, he, my friend points at me and he's like, he's like, hey, what was the first thing that popped into your head? I'm like, I had this thought that her mom's sick. Hey, is your mom sick? And she's shocked. My mom's in the hospital right now. <gasps> Are you kidding me? This is how this works? And then this guy goes, hey, we're going to pray. Call her right now. We're going to pray healing. He's, he's calling the mom, our servant. She's calling the mom. And then he stops. He's like, hey, you have conflict with your brother. Is it your younger brother? And she's like, how do you know this? I'm like, how do you know this? <laughs> he didn't have a word when he walked into that restaurant. But he knows. He knows God is always speaking. And that if you live from this, this perspective that the whole approach to ministering on the go is revealing God's love to people, then it doesn't matter, right? Do you have the, do you have the courage to open your mouth and trust God to fill it? That's what we got to get to. Are you guys with me? God speaks, number five, through dreams and visions. I talked about this story in Acts 10, verse 9, about noon the following day as they were approaching this, uh, a city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted to eat something. I love that, by the way. Highlight that. He became hungry and wanted to eat something. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw, he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet be, uh, being let down on earth by its four corners. And the vision goes on and essentially God says, uh, he sees all these unclean animals and God says, eat. And he's like, no, I can't eat. I'm a, I'm a good Hebrew. I'm a good Jewish boy. I don't eat this stuff that's in the Old Testament and it says not to eat. And he's like, don't call anything unclean that's clean. Essentially, it's this vision to say Gentiles are included into this faith called Christianity. It starts there. And then the council gathers in Acts because Paul goes and the, the, these Gentiles are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're like, if God is filling these Gentiles, how can we keep them from this community? And so it's this movement in time where a vision with community and a dream, God speaks and the church moves forward. God will speak to you through dreams, which are natural ways, right? Some of you are going to have an increase of dreams in our church, and you need to start recording them and sharing them with us. Because we are a church that holds, holds um, dreams and prophecies in the words that God speaks to our gifted community. We want to see an increase in the gifts. You got to be participating by asking for more of that stuff. I remember when I had a crazy dream. And it was in 2009 in the summer. I was actually in the UK. And it was before we officially launched our church. And in my dream, it went something like this. I was, uh, was, uh, was going to meet Bill, Pastor Bill, for coffee. And I said, hey, can I just hang out with you today? He's like, yeah, come along. And I sit in his truck and he drives me around. And we go and he officiates a wedding. And then he's, he hands me the keys. And he's like, lock up. So I begin to lock up the service. And then he says, hey, why don't you drive to our next spot? So I get in the driver's seat and he sits next to me. And we drive to the next venue. And this time I'm doing the service. He's still there. And then I drive and drop him off. And I'm like, wow, that's really weird. It was so detailed. I don't have dreams like this. What do you think God's saying? And I, I heard as clear as day, invite Bill to help you plant the garden church. And so I had a meeting with him at coffee. I said, Bill, I'm about to start this church. I've never preached a series in my life. I've never preached more than a couple of sermons in my life. Would you mind just helping us out for a couple of months? 12 years later, Bill's still here serving, helping us out because of a dream. God speaks through dreams. God speaks through trances, visions. Some of you get visions it's only happened to me once. But God speaks to those, those things. Look in scripture. Number six, God speaks through angels. Luke chapter, I want to go there. Go there. Some of you will have angelic visitation. Some of you will have angelic, some of you will see through discerning the spirits, you will see angels when the presence of the Lord is near. 
you will see it. We have to expect this church. I don't want you to be naive. I don't want you to just be evangelically good at these things. I want you to be spiritually anointed to see the things of the kingdom of God. We need your gifts. Luke chapter 1. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So Zechariah's in the temple. He's about to do this performance as a Levite. He's going uh, to burn incense, which is part of the worship. So this is a worship service in the temple. When, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said, do not be afraid. In verse 18, it says, Zechariah asked the angel. So then, then the angel speaks to him. And then uh, verse 18, uh, this isn't up there, I don't think. Verse, oh yeah, it is. Uh, Zechariah said, after he gets this vision that he's going to have, his wife who's old is going to have, uh, John the Baptist is going to have this prophet that's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. I mean, it's this answer, prayer, this epic prophetic moment is being fulfilled and his response is, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and she's an old woman. So Zechariah has a visitation of an angel and he's concerned about his circumstances. Some of you are like, I want to see angels. You have, but you've missed it. Should we expect to see angels at the temple in the Holy of Holies when you're burning incense this one time and you were selected by chance to go in and do this gift? Should you expect God to show up there? Absolutely. And then when he shows up and says the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy where there's been 430 years of silence is going to happen through your wife who happens to be old, he can't get past the fact that his wife and him are old. Do you think that even if you see angels, it might be hard to obey? According to scripture, yeah. How do we train ourselves to listen and obey? Seven, God speaks audibly. Um, I don't have time to go there. Exodus three, God speaks audibly. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Some people have. Number eight, God speaks through circumstances. And let me just talk about this one because this is a tricky one. God speaks through circumstances. This one is really tricky because not all closed doors or open doors are from God. Right? So there are other wills at work besides God's on earth. Let me say that again. There are other wills at work on earth besides God. So sometimes a closed door might be from God or it might be demonic or just life or just timing. But maybe you need to throw your shoulder into that door and get that thing opened. You're like, wait, Darren, you're blowing everything, right? Because right now, the only way I discern what God's doing is through open and closed doors. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes the closed or open door might be demonic, might be just life. It might just be timing. Either way, you need to learn how God is speaking through those circumstances. An open door might be from God or it might be full of temptation and it's full from the enemy. This one takes wisdom. But that said, circumstances can be one of the ways that God speaks to us and a way that he leads you. My wife and I were trying to discern something significant in our lives recently. It was a couple months ago. And we said, we're going to just keep walking through the open doors as they come. And after a couple of meetings, we, we were walking through this open door. And the door opened even wider. But as we listened and discerned after one particular meeting, we're like, this is full of temptation. We are not going this route at all. And we chose to close that door because we knew that that was not leading where God wanted us in particular. If you just trust circumstances, you're like everyone else in the world. Number nine, God speaks through gut feeling or sense. And the way I heard it best explained was from John Mumford, who came and did a Holy Spirit weekend with us. He said, sometimes God speaks like a butterfly, right? It kind of just comes, touches, and rests on your shoulder, and then goes away. That sense is how God might speak to us. We all have this language. Like we could say, I felt a nudge in my heart or I don't have peace about this situation. Sometimes we just know God wants me to do this thing or he doesn't want me to do this thing. And when it comes to the prophetic or words of knowledge, how we learn to hear God is important. So learning that oftentimes that sense that you have, that butterfly moment, um, learning to take a step out of faith and move based on that is how you'll learn and discern if it's God or not. So on the big things, you need more time, which we'll talk about. But on the small things, you just need more practice to, to kind of uh, refine or to sharpen your discernment of what, when it's God and when it's the pizza speaking. 
But I love what Dallas Willard says. Uh, the way God speaks, number 10, is directly into your heart and mind, right? This is the primary way God speaks, especially as we grow in our discipleship, through that still, small voice. Dallas writes in Hearing God, he says, the still, small voice, or the interior or inner voice, as it is also called, is the preferred and most valuable form of individualized communication for God's purposes. God usually addresses individually those who walk with him in a mature personal relationship using this inner voice, proclaiming and showing forth the reality of the kingdom of God as they go. In other words, as you learn the way God speaks, as you grow in your relationship with God, you learn to hear his voice more clearly. You, you hear that subtle, quiet, gentle whisper. And you can tra- be trained in that as you go about your life, through listening to God through all those ways, through creation, through scripture, through prophecy, through words of knowledge, through that sense, through discernment, through circumstances, you develop a relationship with God when you just hear his voice. You hear it in in ways that are not so dramatic and big. But he will interact with you in ordinary ways. The, The question is, are you willing to listen and obey? Most of us are asking God what he desires for our life in the daily moments. We mostly ask or put ourselves in a posture of listening when the crisis comes. Am I right? When we need to show up. Just recently I was with um, a friend in in Palo Alto a couple weeks ago and we had an incredible day together. We prayed for a few hours and he was showing me all the stuff that God's doing in their city and um, and we had these, this prayer time where God revealed some things to me and I got to share these words, which was really cool. He was, he was, you know, blown away. And for me, it was just like, this is what we do as the body. This is normal. Just, we encourage each other wherever we go. And at the end of the night, I was spending the night with him and his family. He's got all these kids and he, he's like, Hey, I know it's late, but would you just pray for my kids? I, I want them to have a word. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Like you don't just like show up and deliver, but it, we, I was like, why don't we just worship and see what God, and as we were worshiping, God did reveal something. It's like sometimes when you step in to the flow, God wants to use you because perhaps this is the only time God might clearly speak to somebody because you've been trained to hear his voice on behalf of others. And worlds change when you're willing to step into that space of risk and faith. So God speaks so many different ways. How do you know if it's really him speaking? How do you know if it's God? Well, number one, got to practice discernment and wisdom, right? So we got to begin to discern, is this God's voice? And over time, you'll get it right. You'll get more and more, you'll get more and more accurate. Um, the, the thing that I like to do is run it through this grid. Does it align with scripture? I love it when people come up to me and say, I heard God say I could sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm like, that's not from God. How do you know? Well, let me just pull this book out real quick and talk to you about his word, which is true, and give you some examples about why that is off the pattern and heart of God. And God wouldn't lead you towards your own destruction. His word will only lead you into greater life. So does it align with scripture? Oftentimes we allow our discernment to only be um, infused with worldly discernment and wisdom, not godly biblical scripture wisdom. Like Jesus actually said to Paul at some point, because Paul quotes Jesus in 2 Corinthians, that it is better to give than receive. It is better to give than to receive is a truth highlighted in the red text of Corinthians as something that Jesus said himself to Paul. The question is, do we believe it? Do we believe that that's God's truth that it's better to give? So does it align with scripture? The third, does it sound like Jesus? This is a really important one. Does it sound like like Jesus, or does it sound like the Jesus you made up in your head, made in your own image or in the image of the culture you worship? Does it sound like an angry God? Does it sound like Jesus? How do you know what Jesus sounds like? Immerse yourself in the Gospels. Watch The Chosen. <laughs> true story, true story. Watch The Chosen. Season two, episode three, Jesus said, um, Now, before I get into how do you hear God's voice, let me just, are you guys good on time? It's 1130. We're good. Can I keep going? 
I'm getting thumbs up. I'm getting no head nods. No, geez, I don't want to hear God's voice. Zach's out. Great, I'm going to talk about him next. Reasons we might not hear God's voice, disobedience. Um, why might we not hear his voice? Have you thought about that? Because like, oh, I want to hear your voice. Why might you not hear it? Number one, in my, this is just my perspective. We have a distorted view of God. That God, the, the primary reason we're not going to hear God is we have an inaccurate, dysfunctional view of what God's like. He's not interested. He's angry. He's like the absentee landlord. Uh, you, you believe things about God that aren't true about him. And this disables your ability to honestly come under his love and hear his voice. Number two, we're not prepared. Dallas Willard says this. He says, our failure to hear his voice when we want is due to the fact that we do not, in general, want to hear it. That we want, uh, that we want it only when we think we need it. Dallas is so good. So that idea that we, we only want it in those moments that we need it. We haven't been living a prepared life, a life prepared to respond whenever he speaks his whispers so that when it's about discerning whether or not we're going to take that job or move across country or whatever it is, we've had a collection of moments through our lives that will help empower us to say yes or no when it's his voice speaking. The third one is the most obvious. We are too busy and distracted. We go from one meeting to another, gym to work to events. Our lives are full all the time. There's literally zero space for him to speak. And if it is, it's about five minutes in the morning before the day begins. We just don't have space in our minds and our hearts where it we're literally so cluttered and filled with activities, social media, m music, podcasts, phones, noise. All this stuff is just noise that disable us to hear God's voice. So if you want to hear his voice, you've got to slow down. You've got to create space for silence. You've got to listen. You know this. Number four, we don't ask. We don't ask him to speak. When was the last time you literally created space in your life to say, God, Will you speak to me today? And then just stop talking and doing stuff. Like, actually, let's just take a moment real quick. Close your eyes. Perhaps this might be the one time. Holy Spirit, would you just speak your words right now? And we'll just wait quietly. And I'm going to prompt you and then I'm going to be quiet. What's the thing you need to hear? What's the thing you're longing to hear and then just open your heart. Put that right in front of you. Open your heart to let Jesus speak. Thirty seconds in this moment. How many of you think God spoke to you? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand high. All right. Let's. This is. I wasn't planning this. This is so great. Look at all these hands. All right. How many of you felt a sense of peace in that quiet moment? Raise your hand. How many of you heard God say, "I love you"? Raise your hand. Raise them up high. <laughs> okay. Okay. How many of you were, there's a little hand over there. Look at that. See, that's right. You heard God say, I love you. I love it. That's exact. Every time I quiet my soul, I hear him say, you're enough. I love you, boy. Because he's a good father. Isn't that interesting that here we are in this moment in Franklin Middle School talking about God's voice. And we just heard, some of us heard God's voice. We don't ask. So thank you for doing that. The third, the fifth reason we don't hear his voices because we don't obey. And this is that point I made earlier. Maybe God has already spoken a word to you and you haven't fulfilled it with obedience. Like I always, I always wonder, some, it's like the, um, there's a couple of ways we, we pinch the hose. 
the flow. So I, I feel like God's always flowing. The Spirit's always speaking. But there are ways we can just pinch it off. Right? Jesus, or Paul will say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Some of you have grieved the Holy Spirit. Now you're like, whoa, wait. I'm not talking about like unforgivable sin. I'm talking about grieving the Spirit. Because Paul will say, get rid of all bitterness, anger, brawling, malice. Forgive one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. When we, we grieve the Spirit, when we hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and resentments and anger and entitlement, and we're all, that we can close ourselves off, right? Do we know this? But we can also close ourselves off because God has spoken clearly to us and we haven't obeyed in our lives. And I'm not talking about sin, which is another point. I'm talking about there are things he's invited you into and he's clearly spoken, you've heard it, but you've just disregarded the word. And it's not sin, it's disobedience. It's he's inviting you towards this way of life and you're like, I'm gonna keep going this way. And you're, you're cutting yourself off from the flow of the Father. That's what I believe. Some of you need to hear this. It's not bad things you're doing. It's that you're just not doing the things he's asked you to do. Are you guys with me? And then the last reason is simply sin. Yeah. Like, we don't talk about it enough. We're, we are constantly sinning, right? Can we just say amen, raise our hands? We're all, yep, good, okay, good. We need to repent, and mature and stop living outside of the way of life and the way of Jesus and, and quit sinning so that we can be useful in the kingdom. It's not about earning your, uh, a place to hear God's voice. God will speak to you because he only sees Jesus. You're covered by the blood. He sees you as a child, a co-heir, of course. But there are things we can do to align our lives in a way that empowers more of God. I believe this with all my heart. What you see in scripture is consecration, almost always comes and then visitation follows. Consecrate yourselves and then visitation follows. God, God comes in power. It's because of this moment of fasting and worship and it's like this passionate pursuit of God by, by, uh, by giving up ways of life, cleansing yourself from the ways of the world. And then God comes down and meets the people of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I was just reading in Acts 13 how prophets and teacher, teachers gathered in Antioch and they were fasting and worshiping God. They were seeking his presence. And while these teachers and prophets were fasting and seeking God in worship, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for work I've prepared them for. And it's in that moment where there's only prophets and teachers that there's an apostolic anointing on Paul. He'll become Paul later in that chapter and Barnabas. And it's in that moment of intensity of seeking God's presence where all the distractions are gone that the Holy Spirit speaks to the community and releases an apostolic anointing and mission that we are all a part of because of that moment. Do you realize that? That Acts 13 moment, the established church of Antioch said, we're gonna set apart for, uh, uh, for the church, for God, leaders who will go around the world starting new churches. And because of that commitment that Antioch had, we are here in Long Beach 2,000 years later because of the Spirit speaking to that one church. Imagine what would happen if we had the same belief. We're going to go all out. We'll do whatever you say. Whatever I say, whatever you say, set apart this and give it away. All right? It doesn't make sense in our budget, in our local church. But if this is what you're saying, we want to do that. That's what's required in this next season. I'm going a little further. Um, so how do you grow in hearing God's voice? Open yourself up to hearing God and ask for his spirit to fill you and speak to you. So you got to be open, right? Number two, spend time listening to God's voice. And I want to get real practical, okay? So here's what I want all of you to do if you don't already. Number one, get a journal and journal some prayer requests. And in those prayer requests, I want you to be as specific as possible. Don't be, oh Lord, just bless me today. Bring to God the things that are on your heart that you want him to speak to you about, right? Uh, if there's any testimony I have in my life, it's that 
I have asked for specific things and I have heard both no's and yeses to those specific things in my life. It's crazy. Ask my wife, Alex, is this true? That it's really odd, the coincidence that happens because you don't even pray sometimes. You're like, hey, Darren, will you pray for these things? Because she knows that I, I do, I go to the, I, I just expect the good father's gonna give good gifts. That's just my expectation. I am a good father and I give good gifts. And I know that if you come to God with that mindset, I'm not talking about entitlement. I'm talking about royalty. (laughs) I'm talking about learning the ways of royalty. You are co-heirs. Are you being, when, when Jesus teaches about prayer, there's a couple of things he says. He says, first of all, be persistent. Second, come to God with shameless audacity. Do you have shameless audacity in your requests, in your prayer? When, when I think of sh- uh, shameless audacity, gosh, I'm just going to blow the time. Who cares? Shameless audacity. There's a story Brendan Manning shares, and I love it. It's, it's this Hebrew concept, chutzpah. You say chutzpah. And this, he tells, this is what it means, okay? So there's a grandma who's watching her two grandkids. We'll say Tommy and Jenny. Tommy and Jenny are playing in the ocean and all of a sudden a big wave comes and sucks Tommy right out. And the grandma comes running to the side and he, she says, Yahweh, give me back my Tommy. And the ocean spits out Tommy. Thank you. And she goes to look at Tommy. Tommy's missing his hat that he had on. And she goes back to God and says, Yahweh, give me back my hat. And the ocean spits back the hat. That's shameless audacity. It's hard, huh? It's hard to approach God that way. Right? Isn't it hard? Are you with me? Like, oh, I don't know. It's really frustrating when Jesus himself says, ask whatever you wish in my name and it will be given to you and glorify my father. Brothers and sisters, perhaps your prayer life is not glorifying the father. Let's just let that one sit for a second. Take a journal, get specific, begin to pray, record them down, spend time in scripture and pray. Number four, pay attention to your everyday life. Look for the ways God is speaking to you and practice as you go. Here are ways you can grow in hearing God's voice. Be willing to pray for someone on the street. Be willing to compliment or affirm or encourage somebody on the, on the street. Why do I say pray for someone or encourage and compliment? Because affirmation is the language of the kingdom of God. Wherever you go, when you, when you think about our cynical world, right? How do, we opposite, how do we operate in the opposite spirit of our culture? Affirmation and encouragement. Everyone out there is critiquing everything. I can't preach a sermon or send an email without getting some type of feedback from some millennial or Gen Z who wants to share their emotional state with me. I don't mean to rant. I'm not, I'm not meaning to rant. But it seems like we have this entitlement culture that everyone wants to hear your opinion about everything. It's the problem of Twitter and social media. I have been soaking in the word of God and I'm preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit sometimes. And yes, I said this and I'm sorry if it offended you. That was not my purpose, but you're not the primary purpose of my sermon. I'm sorry, is that okay? Did I have, I don't know why I went off on that. That was pastoral rant that we can edit in post-production. We need to affirm. It's not about criticizing. I'm tired of everyone building, tearing everything down. Can we just say that? We need saints in the world, in the workplace, who will just build up. We're not going to tear anyone. We're just going to let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. When you go into a situation and someone's talking to you about someone else who happens to not be there, you should ask yourself, am I leaving this situation thinking more of that person or less? If it's less, then it's gossip and slander. If it's more, than it's language of the kingdom of God. This is what we're after. Becoming men and women who grow in hearing God's voice and then build the kingdom wherever we go in partnership and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do you grow? Practice it as you go. Look for ways that God's speaking to you. Ask if you can pray for people. And then obey, or you could say practice what you hear with discernment. If you want to grow in hearing God's voice, do the silly things he asks you to do whenever you hear it. If you put yourself in a situation, God, what do you want to do here? And he says, buy that person lunch. Don't sit on it. Oh, was that God's voice? I don't really know. I don't, I don't really have. Go and buy that person lunch. Just try it. See what happens. What's the worst that's going to happen? You lose some money and you bless somebody. I mean, there's, some, there's a lot of other things that could go wrong. So like use discernment, <laughs> right? And 
And that's why I want to reiterate, go to the prayer training where we give you guidelines. You don't go saying like dates and mates, right? That's one of our rules. Like, you know, oh, you're going to get married to so-and-so. Like we, or, or, or any, there's some guidelines for this and filter it through. Is it building the person up? Is it encouraging? Is it, is it strengthening? That's the guideline. Um, practice the prophetic. I'll just leave it there. I have, I have nine points for... Uh, how to discern and make wise decisions when you're, in a, when you're in a fork in the road. We'll just post that, okay? We'll just, we'll put it online. We'll put it in the house church guidelines or something. But these are uh, really thoughtful ways that you can, when you need to discern a life-changing moment, like should I go up to Portland and change careers or should I move across? I have nine points that you can discern with community that I think are really helpful. Um, but we'll put that on there. So I want you to hear God's voice. But most importantly, I want you to obey his voice. And I want your prayer life to bring glory to God. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. Space for your presence to dwell and to move.